Witches, brujas, will travel between Santa Fe and Albuquerque in the shape of balls of fire or sparks when I was a boy. My abuela would say, those are brujas, watch them. And we would. They would just bounce across the sky. Another legend was that if your name was John, you had some sort of power over the brujas. Like for instance, if you saw them flying as balls of light and your name was John, legend claimed that if you drew a circle in the dirt and then turned your jacket or undershirt inside out and tossed it inside the circle, the brujas would all have to land in the circle that your jacket was in and would be unable to move on unless you gave them permission. My abuela said that they would bribe you with money or other gifts like livestock to be set free. I don't know how true that was, but we definitely saw balls of light in New Mexico. And that was a story my abuela used to tell us, that if your name was John, you have the power to trap brujas, provided you knew how. Submitted by Nacho Gomez, Victoria, Texas. Some people out there in the hinterlands. It's Rock, and I'm here with Max, and we'd like to welcome y'all to season four of Nightmares and Daydreams. What's up, y'all? And yeah, season four. Represent. Represent. Totally, man. And we could have never done it without the support from all you awesome listeners. So thanks a lot here in Texas and abroad. A big thank you. Yeah, such a big thank you to our listeners from the U.S. and across the globe. We love you guys and gals. Y'all are all right. Thanks for spending time with us. We good to go to rock? Man, let's get this party started. Yes, we are. All right, gang. So you know the drill. We're ready to guide you through the halls of all things supernatural here at Nightmares and Daydreams, as we always do. Rock's right, y'all. Today we're going to debate and discuss, or is it discuss and debate? Something like that. All things supernatural. And we're going to have us some fun along the way. Fun's important, Maxie. But do you want to know what's not fun? Uh, Just let's see. Checking my notes here. and Nope, no clue. (laughs) What's not fun? not listening to our fans and subscribers. They asked for another episode in which we delve into Mexican folklore, and here we are. You people ask, we listen, we deliver. Mexican legends, leyendas mexicanas at your doorstep. Very good, Max. I dig that pronunciation. All right, Max. So when we did our 2020 sign-off, we talked about our favorite current cryptid, creature, ghost, entity. Favorite boogeyman. So yours was the dogman. Whether it be the beast of Bray Road or one of the many bipedal upright wolf-like creatures that inhabit Michigan, the North, hell, all over the U.S. now. I mean, hey, dare we say it? Dare we say the W word? Max, don't say it. You're too young. (laughs) Werewolf? Werewolf. Young Frankenstein, baby. Young Frankenstein. And because no one asked for it, time for a... No movie reviews. None of that. (laughs) (laughs) We're starting over for season four. Clean slate. Trying to bring it back, baby. And Young Frankenstein is a classic, Max. Shout out to the great Mel Brooks. And moving on. Uh, No respect. This is Mexican Legends episode, Rock. This is your jam. Mm -hmm. And like you said, on our 2020 sign-off, 
La Lechuza is your favorite cryptid legend of all time. All time. All time. All time. All time. All time. It is, man. I grew up with all sorts of legends and folklore in my daily life. From a young age, uh, you know, I grew up hearing about La Lechuza, La Llorona, Brujas, El Diablo, all that sort of thing. You know, stay away from the Guadalupe River or La Llorona's gonna get you. That's a heap and plate of myth right there, amigo. It is, man. So uh, shall we just dive right in? We shall. And by the by, I love the opening story. Not sure about the John thing. Seems kind of... I guess there's a lot of people with power over Brujas, but anyway, it's really cool. Yeah, man. A big thanks to Senor Gomez for sending that story in. And I love that. The regionalism and, uh, you know, the shape or mode of travel that Brujas take. Yeah, I hadn't run across that. I mean, balls of fire are a staple of supernatural lore, but... Mm-hmm. That's the first I've heard of witches traveling in that form. You know, word, same on this end. And in Texas, in our neck of the woods, and I'll admit, we're not experts of any sort. Wow. But when you look at the local lore, we go back to the shifting in the form of lechuzas or some sort of animalistic form. So very much like a skinwalker. Which is a completely different thing. Totally. So after that story, I kind of delved into New Mexican lore. And that definitely seems to be a theme in that area of the Southwest, which is do travel in the forms of balls of light. And people have sighted them all over New Mexico. And they seem to be these sentient things, interacting with people, interacting with animals. And in some cases, instead of flying, the balls of light kind of roll across the land, just bouncing around the prairie. You know, people see them from like long distances just traveling and they're like, whoa, there's a group of witches. Huh. Sounds like a solid, dependable, and hey, environmentally friendly mode of transportation. (laughs) I'd rather have a Tesla, you know, but hey, to each their own. You know, and that is a cool mode of transportation unless you have to make a dark deal to obtain those powers. Hey, smoke them if you got them. Everybody, we don't endorse infernal packs on this show, no matter what Max does in his personal time. (laughs) All right, Max, so Mexican folklore, like many folklores, is full of all sorts of characters and creatures. Still a big fan of La Llorona. (laughs) I recall you being a big enough fan that you said you'd like to meet her in person one day. If you recall, I have since changed my stance on that. (laughs) We like the research part, but don't necessarily want to get out in the field. Coward. So you do want to meet her? Hell no. I'm a coward too. (laughs) I'll read it in the books or see it on the screen, but I'm not wanting to wade down to the dark waters and meet her face to face. No thank you, Max. So for you folks out there who might be new to the podcast, listen to our La Llorona episode if you want to hear more about the legendary Mexican wailing woman. Mm -hmm. Episode 15, if my mind serves me right. I believe you are correct, sir. So what's another legend we haven't covered? So this is kind of a more recent occurrence, and I'm not even sure it's reached the level of myth or legend yet, just because it is so new. But uh, yeah, it's called the Flying Witch of Monterrey. So I'm not super familiar with this one. When did it happen? It happened back in 04, the good old days. Wow, so yeah, actually pretty recent, considering we cover a lot of myth that's truly ancient. Yeah, so like I said, this happened in 2004. And the basic gist of it is that a police officer had an encounter with an entity all dressed in black that basically ran him off the road and rendered him unconscious. And this entity was a witch? Well, let's dig into specifics, okay? So, 3.15 a.m. Okay, that's pretty specific. Well, Max, we like to keep our listeners informed, right? So on Friday, January 16, 2004, at 3.15 a.m., Officer Leonardo Samaniego was on his nightly patrol. He was patrolling an area around Colonia de Valles de la Silla, which I guess is a fancy place. Anyway, setting the scene, man, this night is cold, the streets are empty, there's no one around. 
as is the case for almost every good encounter. Right. Okay, so Officer Samaniego is patrolling solo, and as he turns a corner in his police cruiser, he sees this black thing kind of leap down from a tree overhanging the street, kind of hovers around a foot above the pavement before slowly touching down on said pavement. What? I know, right? That's levitation, Holmes. Featherfall, actually. Ah, God, I miss (laughs) D&D. This black entity, after touching down, slowly turns and faces the patrol car. Officer Samaniego flips his brights on, trying to figure out what the hell just landed in front of him. I'd be calling for backup. So he flips the brights on and he sees that this thing is a woman, all dressed in black. And get this, she's wearing a cape and a pointy hat and has a broom. Okay, so she got a witch costume on sale, you know, went to see Wicked or something. (laughs) Only reason to be so cliche. Hey man, sometimes a cliche is a cliche for a reason. Pointy hats are better for flying brooms, proven fact. (laughs) And back to the story. Okay, so we've established that he saw this black entity, right? He turned his brights on and sees this black clad woman who slowly turns to face his patrol car. Then from one moment to the next, she is on the hood of his car, smashing his windshield with the butt of her broom. Apparently she didn't like those bright lights in her face. So Officer Samaniego freaks out, as you do when being attacked by a supernatural creature of legend, and throws the car in reverse to get the hell out of there. So this bruja was smashing his windshield. Apparently. That's five to ten hard time, at least. Hey man, this is Mexico, it can probably be much worse. But anyway, he throws his car in reverse and radios for help. And as he does so, she loses her balance and kind of drops the broom, but stays on the roof of his car and proceeds to smash the car windshield with her fist, just pounding on the glass and screaming like she's super pissed. He later said that she had overly large, all black eyes with no eyelids and that her face was just twisted in rage. Dang. So did the officer bring out his gun and open fire, preferably with silver bullets? He didn't have a chance to, man. As he's reversing with this crazed, alleged bruja on the hood of his car, he slams into a curb and our hero, Officer Samaniego, passes out. He's done for without some sort of amulet of protection. Thank, man, but when backup arrived, they found him uninjured but still unconscious. So once he's up and he kind of gathered his wits, he tells his fellow officers about what happened. Of course, they're kind of skeptical. Didn't they see the damage on his cruiser? So apparently the pics and video from his windshield and dashboard cam, all that damage has been suppressed. (laughs) Surprise. But this guy, Officer Samaniego, was adamant of what he saw and what he encountered. Did he ever see it again? No, but there's an interesting side note. A couple years later, a UFO group out of Monterey recorded a solo figure in the sky flying. And as they zoomed in, the figure looked very much like a woman with a pointy hat dressed all in black, riding a broom. Damn, she's back. So after they recorded this, they approached Officer Samaniego and asked him if this looked like the bruja he encountered. He was just like, no comment, and went on his way. Let's be honest, probably a wise move. You know his colleagues gave him a hard time about the whole situation. Dude, you know it very likely. Cops, guns, tequila, machismo. You know they were clowning him for years, man. So that was a good move on his part. You got another one for us? So let's go old school. And I do, of course. Yeah, let's go old school and let's talk about El Cucuy, which a lot of folks call the Mexican boogeyman. El Cucuy, El Coco, Stephen King's Outsider on HBO. Hey, did you see that one? That was good. I have not. I have not. So tell us, what's the real deal with this legend? 
So man, I'd say damn near every Mexican kid grew up hearing, you'd better be good or the cucuy is going to get you. So another type of child predator? According to the lore, yeah. And the deal with El Cucuy is that he's that worst kind of child predator, Max. He eats kids. Ah, man. Okay, so very much like hags or Scandinavian trolls. Mm -hmm. These monsters that go after and eat kids, or people in general even. Mm -hmm. Like folklorist Catherine Briggs said, these nursery bogeys keep kids away from dangerous situations and areas. True. But, you know, unlike water hags and trolls or other child predators, El Cucuy's job is to make children that misbehave disappear. And he does this by entering the kid's room and abducting them. And according to the lore, his method of entering is through the closet. So what is it about closets? I'm telling you, man, I always had my closet doors closed when I was a kid. In fact, I still have them closed today. Reminds me of that old Stephen King story, The Boogeyman. Totally, man. I remember that story. And yet another reason to keep your damn closet door closed at night. But it's true. Well, who knows if it's true. But there are so many tales of kids, and adults for that matter, who have had encounters with beings, entities. Monsters. Yeah, monsters. I mean, literally innumerable stories of beings emerging from closets. Man, I even ran across a tale of a kid and a mother seeing a reptilian come out of her closet. I was just Florida. Steal a sandwich. That probably was in Florida, man. <laughs> it was a big old gator. So this reptilian comes out of the closet, takes a sandwich, and then hauls ass back into the closet. <laughs> when the mom goes and checks it out, of course, there's nowhere for the creature to go. So apparently Monsters, Inc. is right after all. Once again, the cartoons got it right. So yeah, a kukui, kids, you want to stay away from him at all costs, it seems. Listen to your Uncle Max, kids. Yeah. Or just listen to your parents. Good kids just clearly aren't on El Cucuy's menu. They probably don't taste as good. Have you heard any specific stories involving him? Yeah, I've, I've read some. And again, man, they almost all involve the creature coming out of the closet, as we spoke of. And after the kids see him once, like at night, they start apparently seeing him more and more at different places during the daytime and stuff. And then after that's happened, you got to get some hardcore praying and the saints involved, you know, if the kid doesn't get abducted right away. Kids... Save yourselves all that trouble and just listen to your parents. Wise advice, my man. Ready for a story? You know I am. The house we used to live in had some weird stuff going on in it. But the weirdest thing, according to my grandma, was that on some nights, a small blue light would rise up from the floor in her bedroom and just float in front of her like it wanted her to follow it. Well, for years, she just ignored it. It would eventually leave her room, and Grandma never went after it. Until one night, she did. She had heard legends about orbs of light leading you to riches. So one night, the blue light rises up from her floor, and this time she follows it, and it leads her outside, straight into our old one-car garage. She watched the light slowly drop into the concrete floor, and it didn't come back out. She did this for three nights in a row before she told my dad, who didn't want to bust up the floor of our old garage, especially since he was thinking about selling the house. But in the end, he couldn't tell his mom no, so... He rented a jackhammer and went after it. To our amazement, he found a huge metal box buried in the cement. 
with old silver dollars, dimes, pennies. It was worth thousands of dollars. We didn't end up selling the house. And our grandma thanked the spirit who led her to the treasure. Submitted by D. Davila, San Antonio, Texas. That was one generous ghost, orb, spirit, whatever the hell it was. It was generous. Totally. I wonder if it was the previous owner of the house, like whoever buried the coins in the first place. Gen Sabe, man, who knows? Maybe the spirit took a liking to the grandma and wanted to reward her with his buried treasure. He was like, Grandma, you fly. You ain't going to have to leave this house. <laughs> you know, and it is a nice story to find some extra cashola lying around so you don't have to end up selling your house. Pretty choice. Have you ever run across stories like that before? Yeah, a uh, friend of mine from Guadalajara said her grandma's house always had an odd noise in this one room, kind of like coins falling down in one specific section of the wall. And she said her abuela never wanted her to mess with it, even though she always wanted to kind of dig into the wall and tear it down and figure out what that noise was. For sure. Did they ever investigate? No, but the folks who bought the house from them, yet after they sold it, they did. They dug into the wall and found bags of old money and coins. She said her grandma didn't care, but, you know, because she didn't want anything to do with that buried treasure. Man, I would have been pissed. Like, why don't you just disobey me and tear the wall up yourself? I know, right? Damn you for being so respectful. <laughs> people raising their kids right. Sheesh. Get with it, all you people. All right, Maxie, so let's shift gears and talk about the Mexican versions of the little people. You mean their soccer team? Oh, quit hating, Max. I know you love some football. Goal! I kid, I kid. But as all American and Mexican soccer fans know, we love to hate each other, at least on the pitch. Exactly. Off the pitch, we love each other. It's all about tacos and Coca-Cola. <laughs> all right, Max. No, so we're not talking about the Mexican soccer team. I'm talking about Los Duendes. Not to be confused with the term duende that's used by some flamenco guitar players. <laughs> I'm not familiar with that either, actually. That's what I'm here for, man. So los duendes are beings out of Latin America and Spanish folklore, and the word itself, duende, comes from the phrase dueño de casa, which translates loosely to master of the house or possessor of the house. Okay, so it's a type of house spirit. Like your house brownie? I was thinking more like the domovoy out of Russian folklore, you know, lives behind the stove, scares robbers away, does some of the cleaning, runs the house basically. Yeah, I think something along those lines. Spain and Portugal have a host of different sorts of duendes with different names and habits. That said, let's delve into the duendes closer to our neck of the woods, that being Mexico and the American Southwest. Lead on. While duendes in the Iberian Peninsula can be taller and bearded and even wear a monk's habit, Latin American duendes tend to be more gnome-like. Some live in the wilds, particularly those located in the cloud forest of Oaxaca. All David the Gnome... <laughs> do they wear the red pointy hats and ride foxes? According to the lore, some do. Well, the pointy hats, that is. Okay, so check this out. Do you recall that video with that creepy gnome that was taken back in Argentina, like in 2008 or 2009? I think so. Is it the one some kid took with his phone? Like not super great clarity? Yes, 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 that's it. It has a little person with a pointy hat moving towards them. And I think they're supposed to be going after a soccer ball that they kind of kicked in this kind of like grassy part of wherever the hell they're at. And this thing comes out of the grass towards them. Yeah, it 
has this weird little sideways walk. The kids just take off. Yeah, yeah, it was like a little crab walk, man. And yeah, those kids took off as you do. Hell, it was night, and even if it was just a local dwarf that wanted to mess with some of the kids, he's probably drunk. So it's best to let him have the soccer ball and peace out. I don't know. That hat looked like the official David the Gnome hat. <laughs> Where do you get one of those besides the Gnome Market in Gnomeheim? <laughs> more, more than likely, it was a legit gnome. Gnomeheim? Yeah, man. If Guillermo del Toro thinks there's a troll market in Trollheim, there has to be a gnome market in Gnomeheim. I think you're just making up stuff now. All the best myth is made up, Rock. The best myth is created to explain something, Max. Right. And I just explained where gnomes buy their very specific pointy head gear. Okay. And moving on. <laughs> so let's get into an aspect of Mexican folklore that you've talked to me about before. And I know you love you some shapeshifters. Ah, yes. Los Nahuales. Mm-hmm. And you're right. I do love me some sorceress shapeshifters. For more on that, check out our Skinwalkers episode from last season, y'all. All right, Max, so what's the story with Los Nahuales? Yeah, and I think we actually talked about them maybe in the Road Predators episode, too. I could be mistaken about that. Maybe even werewolves. Oh, uh, yeah, something. Anyway, we've talked about them before, folks. Mm-hmm. But Los Nahuales are people, and they can be men or women, who are able to shift into the shape of a powerful animal by drawing upon the animal spirit called the tonal that, according to some cultures, resides in each of us. You know, that does sound a bit like a werewolf. Not really. Uh, a werewolf, at least in some traditional cultures, is the result of a curse of some sort. As we know through books and movies, there's many a werewolf that became a werewolf against their will. Okay, so Inawal is in complete control of their transformations? From what I came across, at least, yeah. And the type of animal they become is dependent on the day they were born. The Aztec calendar uses animals, or tornals, to represent days, and they range from crocodiles to dolphins to jaguars, etc. Wow, yeah, the jaguar seems to be a classic form that I've heard Nawalis take. So some Nawalis are born with the ability to change their shape, while others become Nawalis through sorcery. Uh-huh. It's generally thought that the Nawalis who practice sorcery serve dark powers. So there are good and bad Nawalas, is what you're saying. Some become protectors of their towns, while others go the opposite direction. And good and bad Nawalas, when they cross paths, often fight to control a territory. Damn, you better hope the good guy wins. Why don't we finish strong with another story? Let's do it. Years ago, I was in the process of getting divorced, and I kind of let myself get into things I normally don't. Things were going bad, and I started drinking and doing drugs. Really anything to stop my mind from wandering back to my ex-husband. Wandering back. So one night, some friends came over with some tarot cards and a Ouija board. Now, normally, I wouldn't even let things like that in my house. But like I said, I really wasn't me at the time. I recall my mom and sisters being really worried about me, But again, I didn't really care. My friends came over and we had some drinks and we're having fun and we form a circle and do some tarot readings, you know, just having fun. I remember the girl reading the cards was French and she was really into it. So into it that she kind of scared herself saying something wasn't right at my house and she ended up leaving early. We all laughed it off and, you know, broke out the Ouija board. We asked it some questions and the planchette started moving by itself. Of course, we all blamed it on each other. 
But again, we asked some questions, asked if anyone was there, and something started to come through, and it was sending some very aggressive answers, and we honestly got creeped out. So we closed the session, and eventually everyone left after we hung out a bit more. But that night, I had horrible dreams. I kept waking up thinking something was at my window trying to get in. And then I started dreaming that something was at my window looking at me trying to get in. Finally, I wake up in a dead fright. I was sure someone was in the room with me. I turned my lights on and nothing. It was right at 3 a.m. I stayed up the rest of the night and turned all my lights on and the TV on. I was so relieved when the sun came up. And I still remembered the dream of something looking at me and trying to get in through my window. So after the sun was well up, I opened up the blinds of that window to look out. And what I saw horrified me. There were small cloven hoof prints all over my dusty window unit. Submitted by PM, Tucson, Arizona. I just wonder why people are letting their cute little pygmy goats play on PM's window unit at all hours of the night. That's just rude. Dude, that's funny. But what do you seriously think about that? And I'm not sure what to think. It's definitely creepy, though. That's beyond creepy, my man. That's all kind of nope right there. Stay away from the Ouija board, people. It's a gateway board game. <laughs> you must start playing Monopoly after that. <laughs> it's a gateway to what or where we can only guess. It's bad. It's bad news, everybody. <laughs> seriously, man, those are wise words, Max. With that last bit of lore, I believe we're done, y'all. So ladies and gents, dogs and cats, thanks for hanging out with Max and myself during these trying times. It's much appreciated. If you find folks want to support our podcast, head on over to buymeacoffee.com and search Nightmares Podcast for a delicious one-time donation so Rock and I can maintain our caffeine addiction. It's much appreciated. I'm drinking coffee right now. Also, we have that Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash nightmares podcast up and running. We'll continually add new content and tier start at a buck a month for a shout out. And y'all can cancel anytime. We've added Rock's Relaxing Reads, Max's Mythology, and additional music by the great and powerful Teresa Joy. Speaking of the best bard in the business, Teresa Joy gives us that amazing sound so many of you have commented on. Mm -hmm. Find and follow her at Viabrite on Facebook, Instagram, and check out her own website at TeresaJoyMusic.com. And we asked earlier, but we'll ask again. Well, maybe we didn't ask, but we should have. Please, gang, head over to whatever podcast you listen to us on and grant us the boon of that five-star review. Or do us one better and take the time out to write a review. It really helps our podcast grow, y'all. Also, join us on all the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We love it when you follow, but we love it even more when we hear comments from y'all. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you'd like to hear more of. True, true. Finally, guys, head over to our own damn website at nightmarespodcast.net and holler at your boys. You know we'd love to hear from y'all. And speaking of that, we have put this out on our social media accounts, but we're looking for some listener tales. So you can contact us at our website, nightmarespodcast.net, and give us your stories. We already have one episode of listeners' tales in the can, and we'd like to add more. For sure. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, be good to each other. And sweet dreams, sweet dreams, sweet dreams, sweet dreams, sweet dreams, sweet dreams.